recording? Hey folks, we're um, really lucky to have a special guest on the uh, Nerdcast this week. We'll, we uh, have Maria Thomas, one of Hourly Nerd's investors in our Series B, and uh, somebody who has had an exciting and distinguished career. If you, uh, if you don't recognize the voice, this is uh, Rob Biederman, the co-founder and co-CEO of Hourly Nerd. I'm fortunate to be joined today not only by Maria, but also by our Director of Marketing, Devin Peters Meyer Johnson. Also, within uh, you know a, a consumer marketing um, background like Maria, so I think she's she's going to be asking the majority of the questions, um, but I'll be chiming in when I have something interesting to say if, if that if that happens at all. Um, so first, Maria, we'd love to we'd love to just have you explain a little more about yourself. We know you, you know certainly you've had an incredibly interesting and diverse career. So tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Thanks, Rob. And hey, Devin, it's great to be on the Nerdcast. I feel privileged as I'm looking out at the beautiful view of Boston. Um, so I'm Maria Thomas, and I have been knocking around the, inter the consumer internet for uh, about 16 years now. I did say 16, one six. Um, and I started at Amazon.com back in 1999, and since then have been early in at a number of different companies and organizations uh, crossing commerce and media. So uh, after Amazon, I was at NPR. National Public Radio for a number of years, helping to build out the digital team and the whole digital effort there. And then I was CEO of Etsy for a couple of years. And most recently, I was part of a startup called Smart Things, which is in the smart home technology space. Uh, and I am old enough to have had a career prior to the commercialization of the internet. And I started my career in finance and investing and spent a lot of time in emerging markets, uh, emerging markets finance. So here I am. That's great. And it's been great having uh, Maria uh, along the ride with us for, gosh, the better part, the better part of a year now. Um, I know I'm sure you see a lot of seed investments and, and early stage investments come your way. What about Hourly Nerd uh, made you want to invest about a year ago? Yeah, uh, I'm, I was very excited when I heard about Hourly Nerd for a couple of reasons. One is that I really um, appreciate the power of the marketplace model as a business model. Obviously, uh, was part of building that at Etsy for a couple of years, but even early on at Amazon, you know, people talk about the Amazon marketplace today and how powerful it is, but the truth is Amazon uh, took them three tries to get to that place. People don't remember back when it first started uh, as something called Z Shops the letter Z and then shops. Anyway, I've, uh, I've seen the, the model work and the leverage that that model can provide, and so it's a very um, attractive business model. But in addition to that, I think the, uh, the market that you guys are playing in, uh, both on the uh, small business side as well as on the enterprise side, is, is just, you know, both sides I think are ready for um, this type of, of, of product. So uh, ways for enterprises to be more efficient um, in terms of how they organize their consultants. And then on the small business side, a way to access uh, knowledge that has heretofore not been easily accessible to them. So for all those reasons, I was excited. And then when I finally met you guys, uh, I was even more excited because you guys have the energy and I think the, the vision uh, and just the, the sheer will uh, to make a great company, so. Thanks very much, it's yeah. been great having you. Great, so to shift gears a little bit, um, one of the areas that you've been heavily involved in, particularly recently with Smart Things, um, is the Internet of Things. Can you help us understand a little bit more about what does that really mean? Yeah, sure. Um, it's funny, I, I was saying to someone recently that the phrase the Internet of Things implies that we need to now start talking about 
the regular old internet that we all know and love as like something else. So I started calling it the Internet of Peoples. Um, and the, the reason is because if you think about you know, the, this first 20 years of the commercialization of the internet, it's all been about us, uh, meaning that we as humans get on the internet and then we use machines, um, either our laptops or our phones or you know, years ago desktops and even minis to get onto the internet and then we control those machines. The internet of things is the idea that um, things themselves, physical objects can be connected to the internet and that is happening because sensors have become so much smaller and so much less expensive that sensor technology and even little mini computing stacks practically um, can be placed on almost any object uh, and that can be a physical object, an inanimate object or um, even uh, a human being, uh, so, you know, we all have wearables, those are essentially things, quote unquote, as part of the Internet of Things, animals, cars, uh, golf clubs, tennis rackets, toothbrushes, these, all of these things can be sensorized, if you will, and connected to the Internet. And so when we say Internet of Things, it's really a big idea. Um, and I think it, over time, will be as big as um, you know, if you think about today, uh, the internet, right? Uh, all of us are so in inextricably tied to it, we can't imagine our life without it. Um, and I think if we look forward 20 years, the internet of things will be another one of these major waves of technology that infiltrates our lives in ways that we perhaps can't imagine today. Um, but to come back to your question, Devin, I just explained what it is. I think the other big concept is that it applies in a lot of different uh, sectors. So whether it's in our homes or in our cars or on our bodies, um, in our cities, uh, the Internet of Things is a major technological wave that is almost as big as the Internet itself. Sure. So thinking about my own home and what I might have in there now that is part of the Internet of Things. Um, so I have something, the Nest, for example, controlling heat in the house. Drop cam so I can see what my kids up to. Right. All these things are increasingly apparent in my house, and I'm sure in houses everywhere. Um, so you've been involved in a lot of trends: Amazon, digital media through NPR, Etsy, Smart Things. What do you see as being the future of the Internet of Things, and who do you see as the potential winners? Sure. Well, there's a lot in, in what you just said there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> starting with Nest and, and Dropcam, which is actually now uh, known as Nestcam because uh, Nest, which is owned by Google, um, purchased Dropcam. So uh, Google basically now has a suite of products that include Nest the thermostat, Nestcam, the connected camera, and then uh, Nest Protect, which is connected uh, smoke alarm. So they have a family of products that they're presenting uh, to the world to, uh, in effect, create a smart home. Sure. Um, and you know, it's interesting to look at that for just a moment, and then we'll we'll come to your the other part of your question. But you know, one one of the things about smart home technology today is that if you look at how the, the market is in a very early stage, it's you know really early days. I like to say it's like 1995 in the Internet of Things. But the smart home is a good example of this because you have companies like Google mm -hmm. with Nest that are coming to market with essentially with individual devices. Um, and they're not really saying to the market or to the consumers like, hey, buy a smart home, 
<laughs> they're saying right. they're saying hey here's a cool connected thermostat like what you have um, and then later on they're saying oh and here's a cool connected camera and then you know over time I assume there will be more products and all of a sudden you'll have a connected home uh, at smart things we actually we're trying to take from the get-go a platform-based approach um, and the idea that uh, all of these things need to talk to each other and that's really where the power of the smart home comes in and so there's going to need to be a platform or an operating system for your home so I think one of the things to think about when you're thinking about smart home technology specifically is just this idea that right now we don't have one standard that everybody's operating on um, and over time, hopefully, there will emerge uh, at least one or two, maybe, common standards. Um, but it's kind of those early days when everything is very messy, like, right. like back in the days of AOL and, and Prodigy and CompuServe. So we're in the 1995 stage. So if, you know, I always try to insert questions here because my grandma listens to this. <laughs> you know, if, if I were her, I might be listening to this right now and saying, you know, I think human beings have lived in homes for millennia and they haven't been smart and they haven't had connected devices. So, yeah. like, what do we need it for? Yeah, yeah, good for your grandma. Yeah, grandmas <laughs> always have so much wisdom. Uh, no kidding. Um, you know, I, I think, let me give a, a, a two-part answer here. I think the where we are today in the smart home industry is, again, very early stages. And I, I think that one of the uh, challenges for the whole industry is, in fact, to you know, market in a way that helps explain to ordinary people the value that they will get out of this. Um, there are individual cases that I think people, that resonate with people and that people will buy, but they tend to be more product focused. So you mentioned, Devin, that you have a Nest thermostat and I presume, you know, you had your reasons for getting it and a camera, uh, tend, people tend to understand. But when it comes to the whole smart home and saying, you know, have your whole home connected in different ways, it's a little harder, frankly, for people to understand. Um, and I think the real issue there is, you know, we're just not at a place where the the three legs of the stool, the, the, the cost, the time involved to get it done, um, and then the value derived. I just don't think we're there yet. So I actually think your grandma's question would probably be valid right now in that you could say this XYZ product is helpful to me in the following ways. Um, like I wanna have a camera because I travel a lot and I need to know what's going on in my home. Um, but some of the other stuff might be a little bit more um, nice to have and not need to have at the moment. Now that's my short-term answer. Yeah. My longer-term answer is that I think over time this will um, become commonplace and that companies will figure out the three legs of the stool and that it will be uh, possible at a price point that's accessible to people to say, you know what, yeah, just like I have on my phone um, all my, what's going on with my friends and family through a Facebook uh, feed, why wouldn't I want to have a feed of my home and know exactly what's going on at my house, including the temperature in different rooms or, you know, is the dog fed? Um, did I leave any lights on? Uh, is there water in my basement? You know, that, th our home contains the people and the things that are most cherished to us. So the idea that I would be able to have a quick snapshot on my phone of, what's going on with all of those things, I absolutely think that will happen. Um, and it will become commonplace. And 
uh, hopefully your grandma will, will live to see the day when, when you walk around and say, Grandma, I don't know how I ever live without this. I, I have a, you know, a really good sense of what's happening at home, so I have great peace of mind. Uh, and if there is a problem, I can act quickly before it becomes a, a real disaster. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on who you see as potential winners. All right. Yeah, yeah. Coming back to that question. Good, good on you, Devin. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the short answer is there will be many, many winners, many new companies that are created. Um, you know, some at Smart Things, we used to think about this idea of the physical graph. Um, and in fact, the actual formal name of the company was the Physical Graph Corporation, and then the product was called Smart Things. Um, and the reason for that is because if you think about uh, the kind of waves of, of, of technology in, in the consumer internet, you had Google creating sort of the knowledge graph and um, of information. And then in the mid 2000s, we had Facebook, of course, creating the social graph. Uh, and who, you know, will there be one company that actually creates this idea of a physical graph where objects are not only created to the or not only connected to the internet, but connect to each other, mm -hmm. so that they can talk to each other um, without any human interaction? So, you know, will there be one or more winners of the physical graph? I, I don't know, but one thing I feel certain about is that this idea of the Internet of Things—it's a whole technology you know, powerhouse, it's a whole technology stack, right? Like there's gonna be layers of it, whether it's hardware at the device level or moving up the value chain into software um, and connectivity products uh, and services. Uh, there's gonna be a tremendous amount of data that comes out of all of this. As we connect all of these things, they're all gonna produce data. Um, and so there will be players, I think, in the data um, storage, data analytics, predictive analytics that come out of this. Um, security is going to be central to the Internet of Things, so there may be new players that emerge uh, um, in the security and privacy spaces, and all the incumbents as well. I mean, just at the cloud level, we've, we've in the last three months we've had announcements from Samsung, the, the current owner of, of SmartThings, um, GE, Salesforce, and Amazon, just to name a few, who all have developed special cloud offerings for the Internet of Things. So. The incumbents, I think, have a lot to win, and I think new companies also can emerge winners. Um, to a little bit to Rob's earlier question, um, Rob's grandmother being more thoughtful about why is this something that we need? What are other concerns that sometimes get raised? You mentioned security. Is that something that you hear often as a reason why people are hesitant to get into this space? Um, what do you see as the biggest consumer barriers, and what are the companies within the internet yeah, um, I think, you know, there's security and there's privacy, and, and people often conflate, conflate the two. I, I really think that both are important for the IoT. Security is the idea that with all these devices, there's going to be so much data, and how do we um, uh, secure systems to protect against, um, uh, you know, data either being stolen or, you know, accidentally <laughs> leaking, so to speak. Um, so there's, I think security needs to be built in from the ground up and, you know, much like at, in financial services, um, issues around encryption and uh, authorization and access controls are really going to have to be thought through very deeply. 
Um, and even with that, I mean, just I think it was yesterday or the day before we, we had the story about someone at the CIA's uh, account getting hacked. So, I mean, even with that, I think that we have to we as a society have to say, kind of have the expectation that there are, pe you know, bad people let's say out there trying to hack our systems at all times. Yeah. Um, so there's security, and then there's privacy, which is. Uh, by virtue of having these devices in my home, I know that, that my home is going to generate data or the devices are going to generate data. Am I, as the owner of that home or that car or that body, um, willing to, in fact, share that data with some, of, with some third party in exchange for better service, better prices, whatever the case may be? And there, I think, the, the use cases are very interesting. For example, insurance companies. Um, insurance is likely to be one of the industries that's very significantly changed by the existence of the Internet of Things because home insurance, car insurance, life insurance, these are all products that rely on uh, historical data and all of a sudden now can be driven by real-time data. So it really is, I think, going to change the face of the insurance industry. But, you know, if I just put myself in, you know, focus group of one, would I be willing to share my own uh, driving data with my insurance company if, in exchange, I got a better rate on my premium? Yeah, I'd be willing to do that because I believe I'm a good driver. <laughs> so, you know, and that's what I'm telling the insurance company. Now they can actually know in real time that I am a good driver. So um, I think the privacy situation is going to be interesting. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, as, as someone who's been uh, around the 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 Internet of Peoples for since almost the beginning of the commercialization of the Internet. You know, people talk, people, media, whatever, talk a lot about privacy and, and love to kind of raise the flags. But at the end of the day, we as consumers have shown over and over and over again, every time we click on I agree without ever opening the terms of service or the privacy policy, that somewhere in our subconscious, either we don't care or we trust the businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, that are putting forward these agreements. So right. is there something about the Internet of Things that is going to change that behavior? Maybe, maybe because you know now we're talking about things that feel much more personal and much more intimate in our lives, and so we're gonna take more care. I don't know, but I mean, I think there could be new models that emerge, like, you know, if you think about the Energy Star label for large appliances mm -hmm. and how that kind of conveys to people that, um, these particular uh, appliances have met certain conditions. You know, maybe there's something like that in the privacy realm. I, I don't know, but I think both privacy and security will be important. Um, and that in the early days, media will have a field day with how afraid we should be. Sure. Um, just like in the early days, people were afraid to put their credit card online to do any kind of uh, online shopping. But we all do it now. We store them, and even when there's breaches of you know, security, we still do it, so. You mentioned um, that the Internet of Things could have an impact on things like insurance. Um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on how other types of businesses should be preparing the IoT. Um, how can businesses be prepared for this? What, they should, what should yeah. they be doing? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, and I'm sure there's a lot of people uh, listening who, who uh, might be thinking about this, or at least should be thinking about this. Um, I, I, I can think of very few businesses that won't be affected by this over time. Uh, and that's because, um, you know, as everything around us becomes 
instrumented with sensors um, at the industrial level, at the civic level, personal level, there's gonna to be tons of data generated. So I think within a business, and, and let's say you know on the larger end, there's opportunity not just for new revenue streams, but also for savings. Think about an industrial business like General Electric, for example. Um, you know, they've, they're very big into the Internet of Things because they're thinking about it from a machine efficiency perspective, operational efficiencies, cost savings. If, you're making, if you're making aircraft engines that have, you know, thousands of parts in them, and each of those can in some way tell you when it's about to break down, before it breaks down, and maybe even reorder itself, I mean, that's huge, right? So industrial enterprises, I think, have a lot to gain from operational efficiencies, um, and just cost savings. Um, but in addition, you know, new service offerings, I think, can come out of the fact that uh, data will exist. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, in, in, and then data itself, you know, could be um, anonymized and, and you, you know, creating data as a service. There was a, uh, just as an aside, there was a very interesting um, cover story article in this month's Harvard Business Review um, which is somewhat about the Internet of Things, but it's really about the idea that as all products become connected, the products themselves become a service. Mm -hmm. So is this idea that just as we have software as a service today, that you know, the, the idea could emerge over time that products as a service. And I think Tesla is a great example of this because Tesla is uh, increasingly taking the view that, um, or not taking the view, but, but has as a philosophical tenet of its business that software runs the car. And so recently they, they had a problem in, in their um, system that was ca potentially causing fire in the car. GM had the exact same problem. For all the owners of the GM car, they had to take the car into the dealer, you know, get it repaired, be without a car for a few days, um, the usual stuff. Tesla solved the problem by pushing a software update to the car. Um, and so you know, I think you start thinking about products that in the past have depreciated over time, like a car or a piece of equipment, all of a sudden now can, can actually gain value over time if they're driven by software. And we have like a software push you know, to our shoes, just to be pedantic about it, um, as opposed to just you know, having these products uh, uh, decline in value over time. So like I said, I don't think there's, I can't think of a business that won't, you know, over the long term, in some way or another be, be touched by opportunity as a result of the Internet of Things. A lot of our um, customers are curious. I think they're, they're part of ecosystems where um, understanding who, not necessarily the winner is gonna be in any specific space, but sort of like the key success factors. And I think here you might draw not only on your Internet of Things experience, but what you've seen previously, You know, a good example would be Fitbit, um, Jawbone, Apple Watch, anybody else that's relevant in that space, Garmin. What's a practical field guide for thinking about who wins in yeah. new markets like this when, yeah. when their products are, you know, in my opinion, only lightly differentiated? It's a great question, Rob, and, and I think that, um, uh, you know, the advice that I typically give on this particular point is that, you know, you could try to place bets on specific companies, but that's, um, that can be a hard game to win. Uh, and so I think the, the, the better way to think about it is that there will be ecosystems that emerge. Um, you might not know who they are right now, but the best advice is to create your products, create your services, 
so that they can play well with multiple ecosystems. And I think that means, you know, if, you, if you've got software um, creating a modular uh, architecture, um, enabling APIs uh, across the board, but basically preparing to play in somebody else's ecosystem. Um, on, the, on the consumer level of the Internet of Things, all of the big boys are already uh, making significant investments and playing um, to, to, to win. I, I mentioned on the cloud level, those companies, GE, IBM, Amazon, Salesforce. Um, but on the consumer level, you know, just in the smart home, you have Samsung, Google, Apple, Amazon, all uh, vying to you know, become uh, a major player in, in, in smart home technology. So if you're not one of them, uh, I think the, the best advice I have is to prepare your product or service to play in someone else's ecosystem. So you mentioned earlier that um, SmartThings had been acquired by Samsung, which I believe happened back in 2014. Mm -hmm. You were there for that transition. Would love to get your thoughts as to how did you know it was the right time? How did mm -hmm. you know that Samsung was the right partner? And how have they been able to help SmartThings become successful since that acquisition? Yeah, sure. Samsung acquired uh, SmartThings, you're right, uh, back in the summer of 2014. And um, SmartThings was uh, a two-year-old uh, company at that time. Actually, SmartThings had launched on Kickstarter in the fall of 2012, and so it was almost exactly two years from Kickstarter to wow. strategic acquisition. Um, and that's a real credit to uh, the founders of, of SmartThings and their uh, big idea and, and the, the way that they thought about architecting the system. Um, the unit within Samsung that acquired us is called the Samsung Global Innovation Center, and GIC for short. Um, a guy named David Un runs that, uh, E-U-N, David Un. Um, and he's a smart guy, and, and, and the purpose of uh, the GIC, or among, among the, the goals of the GIC, is to really foster innovation on behalf of Samsung. And that can happen through acquisition, like with SmartThings, or it can also happen, they have an accelerator program um, in both uh, uh, the Bay Area and also New York. Um, they, uh, you know, just in general, the purpose of the GIC is to, to put technologies, companies, ideas, trends, uh, kind of on the radar at Samsung. And so the fact that we were acquired through GIC, I think, was um, really helpful to both parties. Uh, and, and one of the ways that it was helpful to us at SmartThings is that um, they really understood the power of the big idea behind SmartThings, the idea of the open platform. That's what SmartThings, that's what differentiates SmartThings from another, uh, a number of other smart home companies. The other advantage to us was that um, they move quickly, uh, and you know the the GIC um, is able because it's part of their mission to move, you know, at the kind of speed you would want to move if you're involved in one of these things, um, and that you wouldn't necessarily expect out of a large global conglomerate like like Samsung. Uh, so, so that's a little bit about the the background on the the tactics of the acquisition in terms of you know. Um, the right timing, you know, I, I, first of all, I should say that I was uh, early in at SmartThings, but I wasn't a founder, so I, I don't want to suggest that I'm speaking on behalf of the founders, but, but I think I have a sense of, um, you know, this, Samsung represents a really powerful uh, potential um, 
winner in this space for a whole host of reasons. I mean, not only are they the dominant handset manufacturer in mobile globally, um, but Samsung also, of course, makes TVs. They make large appliances increasingly with growing market share in, the, in that arena. Um, and perhaps most importantly, they've made a huge commitment around IoT and specifically to keeping open standards. And that was very important to smart things. Um, and so, you know, as we uh, watch all of the big boys make their bets, I mentioned before, you know, Apple, Google, Amazon, um, it, it was pretty clear that as a startup, you know, we were going to have to not only raise a lot of capital, but, you know, continue to, to be engaged with these really, you know, deep-pocketed uh, uh, players. And so, we, you know, we, we made a judgment um, that, that Samsung was a great partner for a variety of reasons and that it was a good time. And I, and I think that is um, still very solid and that the company is showing a year later that it's still moving quickly, operating as an independent brand within Samsung. Uh, version two of the product just came out last month. Um, and so I think it's so far showing itself to be, you know, kind of an interesting combination where SmartThings is getting the benefit of Samsung's size and, and, and uh, incredible, you know, presence around the world, but not necessarily being slowed down in terms of its product development and the development of the community that's supporting the platform. Great. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Any final thoughts on people who are thinking about getting into this space, things that they should know, tips that you have? I, you know, I think it's an exciting time. Whenever there's a, uh, a movement or, you know, kind of a wave of technology that's hitting in its early days, um, there's just so much opportunity. And of course, uh, the landscape isn't clear, and so there are also challenges, but um, it's really a very exciting time for uh, new companies and new ideas in this arena. And um, as I said at the top of the podcast, you know, it's sort of like 1995 for the Internet of Things, and if you think about all the different ways that uh, the Internet has infiltrated our lives thus far, you know, just think ahead about what we'll be saying two decades from now about the Internet of Things. Great. Well, on behalf of Our Own Nerd, thank you so much to Maria Thomas for joining us today. Thank so you. Actually, I've learned a lot, and I'm <laughs> sure our listeners have as well. So well, thank great. You for taking Oh, and, and I, can't, I can't leave without some shameless self-promotion. So you do. can find me on Twitter at uh, Pesmo, which is P like Peter, E, S like Sam, O, U, Pesmo. Thanks a lot. Perfect. It's great to be here. Listeners, thank you so much for joining this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the Nerdcast.